Trash Box contains adult language and themes. Listener discretion is advised. What's good? What is good, everybody? And welcome to the Crash Box, a film enthusiast talking about films enthusiastically. I am your host, Russell B. Williams, and this is the Weekly Movie Newscast, where I search and compile the stories I find most interesting coming out of the film industry and give you my thoughts and observations on them. Outside of that, we're going to get into the top five grossing movies at the domestic box office and hit up a couple of your listener questions if you want to get a question to me just throw me an email at the at gmail.com any social media site facebook twitter instagram or snapchat all at the crash box or on my website at the crashboxpodcast.com whether you guys are veterans of the podcast or just started listening but you guys dig what you're hearing and want to show some support just pause this head over to iTunes and leave the show a five-star review. You could say whatever you want in the review. It doesn't matter. As long as you leave a five-star rating with whatever you're typing up. It's something so small that costs you nothing, but helps to show out more than you possibly can imagine. So if you can, please pause this, head over to iTunes and leave the show a five-star review. Before we get started, I feel that I should address something, something that was brought to my attention a couple of weeks ago. And since this person like kind of opened my eyes to it, I'm noticing it a lot in the emails and messages that I've been getting. So I just wanted to get this off my chest before the show started. A couple of weeks ago, somebody I'm cool with decided to check out the show. They wanted to see how I speak on it, what the subject matter was, generally how the show is put together and how it sounds, what I'm putting out into the world. Whoever listens to this show, now whether I know you personally or not, whether you guys are fans of this show or not, I welcome constructive criticism, whether it's positive or negative. No matter how long I'm doing this show, and I've been doing it for over a year already, and I seem to have a good grasp on things so far. I'm comfortable on the mic, I know how to edit and put out a show. Whatever criticism I get, it helps the show. It lets me know what areas I need to focus on, which areas I should expand, where my strengths and where my weaknesses are. I understand that and I welcome constructive criticism. The one criticism he had, and I'm noticing it in the emails and messages, is that I curse a lot. And I know I curse a lot. There is a warning in the beginning of the show that says I use adult language. This is not a show intended for children or people under a certain age or maturity level. I understand when I get excited, I could curse excessively, especially when I'm passionate about the subject matter. And the reason this show exists is because I'm passionate about movies. I fucking love movies. I didn't go to school for film theory, I'm not a typical critic and I don't pretend to be. I'm just a neighborhood dude who loves film, that's it. 
the emails and messages and even the dude told me that they don't think I should stop cursing they just think I should tone it down and I'm sorry I can't do that it, to me it will feel disingenuous especially if I'm on a rant about something that I either hate or love what am I supposed to do edit it out or bleep it out or try and figure out a way for me to use a different word or set of words or a different vernacular altogether what am I supposed to do I'll leave you guys with this if you guys dig the show you guys dig my point of view and you guys dig the way the show is put together and everything but you just can't stand my excessive cursing all I can say is stop listening to the show I don't know what else to tell you because I'm definitely not going to tone myself down and I hope you guys understand that all right now that we got all that out the way how was your weekend everybody mine was crazy my weekend was crazy packed crazy packed I went to see the Game of Thrones live experience at Madison Square Garden then the next day I went to comic-con then later that day I had to hurry up from comic-con to get back to my house so me and my brother could go and see Venom on Thursday night holy shit talk about packing a lot of stuff into a very small 24-hour window let me address the two events first and then I'll get to Venom in a few minutes now I'm not a concert dude I prefer to listen to my music through headphones and going to see a band live with all those people there it's it's just not for me and that's not to say that I haven't gone to see a concert before I've been to a bunch of concerts that's how I know I don't like going to them I've seen the Rolling Stones in concert Megadeth I went to the dysfunctional family picnic back in 2003 and that had Linkin Park Limp Biscuit when they were at their height Mudvayne, Deftones, and the closing act was Metallica. I mean, that concert was crazy. The last concert I could remember going to was probably She Wants Revenge, and that was years ago at Irving Plaza. And they are great live. They sound almost exactly the way they do listening through your headphones, and they have a great energy. They get the crowd hyped up, they interact with everybody, it was fucking great! But this Game of Thrones concert, you know, to be honest, I didn't know what to expect. Recently, I've had the mean urge to go and see an orchestra perform live. But this, this is so widely different from anything else, there's nothing else like it. At least from my perspective, I've never seen anything like this, I've never experienced something like this to hear contemporary music from a full orchestra and then you have Raman Jawadi, somebody that you respect, you know this composer, being the conductor and playing some of the instruments himself. It was fucking crazy. Then you get the imagery, which is probably in this show just as important as the music. First, you have these massive screens behind the orchestra, conductor and everybody else on stage. And whatever they're playing, whether it's the Lannister or Stark theme, battle music, Light of the Seven from season six, they're showing the imagery that goes along with the music. But not only that, that's not just it. Like right in the beginning, you had this, this absolutely beautiful violin being played and it was absolutely gorgeous. 
and first she was doing a solo and then the rest of the orchestra came in but she walked out onto this platform and it kind of circled around it had this unique shape to it that it kind of put her away from everything and she had this big flowing gown she's playing the violin the entire time and she's not just playing no she is busting this shit out she's like then all of a sudden she goes onto this platform and she's staying there she's fucking freaking that violin and then all of a sudden she starts ascending into the air and i'm not just talking about a couple of feet or the platform rising no she is literally 30 40 feet in the fucking air still playing the violin it is nuts then you had this other dude this other dude i do not know how the fuck he was able to play this instrument they brought out this really long horn and if you ever seen the hobbit and you seen the horn that they blow right at the end so as like a battle cry for everybody and how it was super long this horn had to be a good 10 11 feet long and you see him suck in some air then make at first i thought the sound was coming from his mouth because i thought he was blowing into a fucking mic because i thought that was a prop i didn't think it was something that he was actually playing the sound that came out of it it was just guttural and vibrant you felt it in the seats from so far away it felt like it was shaking the actual stadium that's how loud it was it was amazing to experience and then you get to Raman Jawadi the guy who writes all the music for Game of Thrones he was up on the screen a bunch of different times he was the conductor he was having a blast he had a smile on the entire time but every now and then he'll pick up a particular instrument or a very special instrument to play a key piece of music now he did this with light of the seven and if you've never heard this before if you watched game of thrones before and you don't know the name of the song trust me the moment you hear it you know exactly what episode you know exactly what's happening you don't need to be a super fan to recognize the piece of music the moment you hear it you understand what's going on for most of us who are really big game of thrones fans that buy the scores we all know what it is now he starts playing on this piano organ hybrid but you need to see it it looks so different it looks so unique and he was playing it perfectly if you hear the music you hear the piano and then the organ layering on top of one another so as the piano increases the organ increases so when the when the piano gets more high pitch the organ gets a little deeper so it's like going in reverse almost it's a beautiful piece of music and it was even extra special that Raman Jawadi himself was playing it it was I'm so glad I got to experience that it's something that I will never ever ever forget all right let me move on to comic-con now comic-con I didn't stay very long at and I can't I don't really know why I don't it just I wasn't sick I wasn't anything I just felt kind of bored I'm starting to think it was because I was still high off of the concert from the night before I went to see this concert it was like at 8 at night 
it ran until almost 11 and then at 8 o'clock in the morning I had to be at the Javits Center to experience New York Comic Con it was great it was it had all the usual shit there all the usual t-shirt shops the unique booths the artists the actors the announcements but it just felt kind of bland and I'm not trying to knock comic-con but I'm just saying when you're coming from an experience like that the night before it's kind of hard to match something like that it's kind of hard to compete with something like that and not saying that comic-con should have I think I should have just prepared myself a little better for it but I didn't run into nobody I didn't stay there for long I was there for maybe two hours at the most but while I was there, I just, I walked around a little bit, spoke with a few people, some famous, some not. And then I went to B&H, which is a really big pro audio and video store in New York City on 34th Street. I bought a peripheral to help me edit the show better. Well, I bought a smaller version of the Contour Shuttle Pro. And it's been working pretty badass. I was able to program it without a problem. And I'm really happy about that. So instead of getting all this stuff that I usually get at Comic-Con. And I have so many fucking t-shirts from Comic-Con that I don't even want to buy anymore. So instead of spending all the money on t-shirts that I'm only going to probably wear once. I decided to move that money into reinvesting into the show and making the show better or at least more efficient on me putting it out there. And now we move on to Venom and I'm sorry I took up so much time talking about the Game of Thrones concert. It was so amazing and Venom is definitely not. And I'm not saying that Venom was a bad movie. I am not saying that at all. But when you have people who are not normally in mainstream movies you have Tom Hardy who is very particular about the projects he does Michelle Williams is another person very particular about the roles she picks even Riz Ahmed he is also extremely picky about the roles he picks so when you have these three people who are so diligent in their research of their scripts and making sure the directors and them are on the same page and they got the same vision for the movie then when you get a movie like this where the protagonist may be different but the movie is fucking cliche and by the numbers man it really is venom is a cool fucking character and i'm not talking about the comic book version we all know the comic book version of Venom is a fucking badass. But the movie version of him is pretty fucking cool too. There is absolutely nothing wrong with Tom Hardy's performance or Michelle Williams' performance or even Riz Ahmed's performance. And I will even say this, Riz Ahmed is the one I was most impressed with in this movie. In every other film he's been in, whether or not even film, just anything else that I've seen him in, whether it's The Night Of or star wars rogue one he has this very soft character to him that has like this vulnerability that other people either exploit or they push him around in some way in this role he is the complete opposite he's like this really charismatic ceo and he is totally talking you into doing an experiment or to go out with him on a night and then the very next minute 
he is yelling at you ready to tear your head off because of some small mistake you made. And that is how I picture a typical Fortune 500 CEO. They're that complete charismatic person when they need to be, but the moment one thing is out of place, they're ready to fire the entire fucking staff. And that's exactly how Riz Ahmed did, and he did a fucking great performance on it. He is, like I said, he's the one that I was the most impressed with. But Tom Hardy, Tom Hardy did his thing. I can't, I mean, he's the big swinging dick of the movie. He is the protagonist. He plays Venom, the title character, and he did a great job. He did. I mean, it's Tom Hardy, so of course he's going to do a great job. I think the reason I enjoyed the film so much is because I wasn't expecting much from it. And I don't think a lot of us were. When the reports came out talking about the trailers that these reporters seen, it sounded like they were explaining an R-rated film. Most of us understandably got really fucking excited about that. An R-rated Venom film will fall right in line with the type of mentality that Venom has. Then when the report came out that it was going to be PG-13, it was just like, ah, oh, you see, you see the reports led us to believe that it was going to be a rated R film. And that is totally on my fault. That's totally mine. I'll eat that. It never said that it was going to be a rated R movie. I got the impression that it was going to be a rated R movie. So I'll totally eat that. But it kind of curbed my enthusiasm for it. I didn't want to go and see it that much after that. Especially in this new universe where we're having more edgier, more harder comic book films like Logan or the Deadpool series. But they went right up to that PG-13 line and skated right around it. It's almost as if they made a rated R movie and then took out the things that gave it the R just so they could have that PG-13 rating. I am 100% convinced that by the time this comes out on Blu-ray, we're going to have a nice, chunky, unrated movie to watch. If this movie came out anywhere before 2008, this movie would have been the shit. It would have been a breath of fresh air. It would have been something so dramatically different. But since 2008, we've had the Dark Knight series. We've had the entire Marvel Universe. We've had Logan and Deadpool. We've had all these significant and impressive comic book films since then that it makes Venom kind of look cliche and immature by comparison. I feel that they wasted Tom Hardy, Michelle Williams, and even though I was impressed with his performance, even Riz Ahmed, when you have talent of this caliber, this is what you give me? In this day and age, when we have this rich tapestry of different comic book films with different themes and different tones to draw from, we were just hoping this would do just a little more to stand out. All right. Well, that was my weekend, but I want to hear about yours. Did you guys go and see Venom? Did you see something else? Did you guys go to Comic-Con? Did you guys go and see the Get With Thrones concert? Hit me up. Let me know. Throw me an email at thecrashbox at gmail.com or any social media site, all at the thecrashbox. And now that we got all that out the way, let's boogie over to the box office. Coming in at number one is Venom absolutely destroying the October box office opening record with $80 million. 
205 million dollars worldwide so if there was any worry that venom wasn't gonna get enough attention there's your answer the previous record holder for October for an opening weekend in the domestic market was Gravity back in 2013 bringing in $55 million. This movie broke it by over $20 million, holy shit! Venom didn't even really cost that much to make, it had a $100 million budget. Now when you compare that with other contemporary superhero films, Look at the very first Captain America and the very first Thor. Each of those movies cost 150 million each. Each. Ruben Fleischer did a great job with the budget that he was given. So I may not have loved the movie, but I did have a hell of a fucking time with it. So hats off to you, Venom. Coming in at number two is another newcomer, A Star is Born. This stars Bradley Cooper and Lady Gaga. You've had to have seen billboards, posters, commercials, trailers everywhere for this film. This happens to be Bradley Cooper's directorial debut and it has been getting great reviews. What I mean by great? As of this recording, it stands at a 90% on Rotten Tomatoes. That means 9 out of every 10 critics that went to see this movie came away with a positive reaction to it. This, in case you guys didn't know, is actually a remake of a movie of the same name from 1976 with Chris Christopherson, that's right, Whistler from Blade, and Barbara Streisand. My mom loves that movie. Alright, well the movie came in second with 41 million dollars, 56 million worldwide, no budget listed. Now look at this, if there was any other movie coming out with the exception of Venom, this movie would have came in number one. 41 million dollars in the very early weeks of October is a great opening. I can't imagine this movie costing more than 25, maybe 30 million to make. I'm just happy that it's not only starring Bradley Cooper, but it's also being directed by him. And it's doing well critically and at the box office. While I have no intention of seeing this movie because it seems to follow the same story beats as the original, I am really happy it's doing so well. Coming in at number 3 is Smallfoot in its second weekend. The star-studded animated movie makes $14 million in its second week, $42 million domestically, $75 million worldwide, another one with no budget listed, and since I don't give a shit about this movie, let's move on to number 4, which is Night School, bringing in $12 million in its second week, $46 million domestically, $58 million worldwide, on a 29 million dollar budget i still haven't seen girls trip or justice league and i know i said i was gonna watch both of them but i got stuck re-watching the entire series of fargo but let's move on to number five it is the house with the clock in its walls in its third week bringing in seven million dollars 55 million domestically 79 million worldwide on a 42 million dollar budget I do not know what the studios were expecting for this movie, but since they released it in September, they weren't expecting much, which is kind of sad because I love Kate Blanchett and I got a lot of love for Jack Black and I want this movie to do well. 
All right, let's run them down. Number one is Venom. Number two, A Star is Born. Number three, Smallfoot. Number four, Night School. And number five, The House with a Clock in Its Walls. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is your top five grosser movies at the domestic box office. Now, let's hit up the news. Alright, first up, Chad Stileski, the man in charge of the John Wick franchise, was recently doing an interview and when he got pressed on details for John Wick 3, he didn't want to give up too much. He did just start spitting out random words, it seemed. This is what he said, and I quote, Horses, dogs, cats, a raven, a bunch of pigeons, a motorcycle chase, car chase, Holly Berry, Lawrence Fishburne, Ian McShane, Lance Reddick, shotguns, and ninjas. Now, there have been massive reports on this paragraph on every major and non-major entertainment outlet. A couple of fans wrote to me. They sent me the report. But one person had the nerve to ask me, what's the big deal? What's the big deal about this? Why is everybody talking about this? This motherfucker. John Wick is fighting ninjas. Did you not hear that? There is a bunch of different avenues that Chad Selesky could have went down that could have added more style and over-the-top action. This is one route that I didn't see coming that I definitely should have seen coming. Or you know what it is? Maybe I didn't, I didn't think it would go that far. Ninjas are so entrenched in our popular culture that we almost look at them as a fantasy, kind of like a unicorn. So when you're telling me that you're adding that to one of my favorite modern action franchises, fucking yes, I am down with that. The still that got released with this report has John Wick on a horse being chased by motorcycles under an elevated train. It might as well have been a fucking unicorn if they're adding ninjas. I am so fucking excited for this shit. It's not even funny anymore. The movie dropped so much sooner than I thought. And they're releasing this on May 17th. This isn't some bullshit franchise anymore. The first one was released in the first couple weeks of October back in 2014. Then the second one was released in February of 2017. Those are two areas where they release movies that they don't have a lot of confidence in. The middle of May? That's where they release Fast and the Furious, Marvel movies, Guardians of the Galaxy, The Avengers! And that is the neighborhood John Wick is in now. That speaks volumes. That means the studio has the utmost confidence in what they're seeing from Chad Stileski and Keanu Reeves in this third film. And that is just getting me that much more excited for it. Next! When I first heard about this next story, I thought it was a joke. Margot Robbie, who was in The Wolf of Wall Street, who was Harley Quinn in Suicide Squad, and Patty Jenkins, who just finished doing Wonder Woman, are rumored to be teaming up to do a Barbie movie. You heard that right. The director of Wonder Woman, and one of the most powerful actresses in Hollywood right now are teaming up to do a film 
based on the toy Barbie. I I I kind of didn't get it at first. I had to really think about it. Why would these two extremely headstrong and powerful women do a film based on a toy that seems to be so archaic in their thoughts on what a woman is? And then it hit me. If these two women are teaming up to do a movie about Barbie, that means they're bringing Barbie into the modern age. And I know Mattel has been trying to do that for years and failing. This is a great idea. You got one of the most beautiful women on the planet that has a ton of power and influence right now. And she is able to write a more mature, more independent and headstrong character. And then you're getting the director of one of the best comic book movies of 2017. And that comic book movie was about a powerful, headstrong, independent woman. At first, I couldn't get the idea of Barbie being this perfect housewife from the 50s baking fucking pies and doing laundry and shit and fucking going to the mall and trying to please Ken. Whatever other dumb shit that Mattel forced down my throat in the 80s on how Barbie was supposed to be, on how women were supposed to be during that time. No, fuck that. Bring Barbie into the modern age teach young girls that it's okay to be strong and independent and do things their way and know that they don't have to lean on any fucking man or any other person to do what they want to do how they want to do it next the last story we're going to get into today concerns star wars they just released the first picture of the first live action Star Wars TV show that's coming to Disney's own streaming service. This is being produced by Jon Favreau. This is the guy they chose to put in charge of this. The guy who directed the first two Iron Man films and the Jungle Book. I was excited when I first heard about that news. Jon Favreau producing a Star Wars live action TV show? Hell yeah, I was excited about that. But I forgot about it. I forgot about it a couple weeks after I heard about it. And I really didn't think about it again. Up until they released the first photo and now we actually know what the show is about. I'm gonna have to get a little geeky. So please forgive me if I go a little too far and get a little too excited. But I'll try to keep it to a minimum. The pic that was released was of a character called The Mandalorian. Now, the Mandalorians are a race of people within the Star Wars universe, and you'll notice them by the very unique helmets that they wear. If you ever heard of a character called Boba Fett, and also to a lesser effect, Jango Fett, those are Mandalorians. Those helmets that they wear are of the Mandalorian people. These dudes are no joke. Even before the Skywalker Saga, before the Old Republic, which was 3,000 years before the original trilogy. They were known as a race of warriors, of bounty hunters, of people to be feared. Think of them like samurai mixed with Spartans. From birth, they are bred to do nothing but war. That is their function. That is their job. 
in the Star Wars world, Jedis are the ultimate badasses, with the exception of the Mandalorians. They're the only ones really not afraid to go up against the Jedi and win. They win against the Jedi when the Jedi are using force powers and trying to play by the rules. They don't. They don't give a shit. They will cut a Jedi down with no problem. That's why them becoming bounty hunters is a natural progression of who they were brought up to be. Now you are telling me you are creating an entire TV show based on a single Mandalorian? And it doesn't have to be Boba Fett. I actually, I would prefer if it's not Boba Fett or even Jango Fett. Just have it as some random Mandalorian, a brand new character within the canon. That's what I want. Actually, I think that's what most Star Wars fans would want is a brand new character. Tell me a new story. And this seems to be it. You look at the picture. Not only does his armor look bad fucking ass. Look at the background. It looks gorgeous. They are not playing with this. They are not sparing any expense for it. They are making sure that this show is the absolute best it could possibly be. And with that, we don't know anything about the script. We didn't get a real big synopsis or anything like that. Or even who is going to be starring in the show. What we do know for a fact is, is that the show is going to be based on a single lone gunfighter called the Mandalorian and it's going to be taking place after the original trilogy but before the trilogy that we have now. The show is not only being produced by Jon Favreau but he's also writing it and Dave Filoni if you guys don't know who Dave Filoni is he is an insane Star Wars nerd. He's been a part of Lucasfilm for years. He was the showrunner for the only two official Star Wars shows to ever be released. And just because they're animated doesn't mean they're not a part of canon. Star Wars The Clone Wars and Star Wars Rebels are official Star Wars canon. Meaning they're a part of the official Star Wars story. Now here you have Jon Favreau writing and producing it. You have Dave Filoni who has such a long history with Star Wars. The only two people who could probably rival him are George Lucas and the current head of Lucasfilm, Kathleen Kennedy. They didn't stop there though. The report went on to give a list of who the directors are going to be on this new show. And it's damn impressive. You got Deborah Chow from Jessica Jones, Rick Famuyiwa who directed Dope, Bryce Dallas Howard, that's right, Ron Howard's daughter, and Taika Waititi who just finished directing Thor Ragnarok. Do you hear the talent on that list? This reminds me of when David Fincher was doing the first season of House of Cards and he was pretty much bringing all of his friends and peoples telling them like yeah fuck it direct whatever episode you want the only thing that concerns me is that this is going on the disney's own streaming service this isn't going to netflix or amazon or hulu this is going under disney's own umbrella disney's name is attached to that is disney willing to give us a more mature themed show under their own name they can't hide behind it the way they do with daredevil and the defenders on netflix the only way to access this show is to click on something that says Disney and then go and watch something that's mature themed. I don't know if they're ready to do something like that. 
but I fucking hope so. Alright, that is it for the news. Now, let's hit up a couple of your questions. Alright, first up is from Anastasia on Instagram and she asks, What are your feelings towards Riddick? Well, thank you Anastasia for the question. I love the character of Riddick. I think he is super fucking cool and badass. I just don't think we have been seeing him represented properly in film yet. The only time we've gotten a great represent- well not a great representation, but a good representation of Riddick was in that first movie Pitch Black. I mean, we all fell in love with the character from that movie. But each of the solo films Chronicles of Riddick, which had massive fucking potential, they put in over a hundred million dollars into that movie. And it fucking sucked. Then, then, Vin Diesel years later tried to resurrect the character with that more mature themed Riddick, seeing how popular it was in video games and online. He hired the same dude from the Chronicles of Riddick to do that new mature themed Riddick. Granted, he directed Pitch Black and yes, Pitch Black was cool. But go back and watch that movie. I guarantee you it's nowhere near as good as you think it is. The special effects are bad. The fucking dialogue is horrible. I would love a proper representation of Riddick. I'll even take Vin Diesel's ass in that role if they hire a proper writer and director. Well, I hope that answers your question, Anastasia. And next is from Colton. Now, I picked this question. Well, it's not really a question. It's more of a statement or an accusation. But I picked it because of... That Barbie segment that we spoke about, it kind of it stuck in my head a little bit. And a particular email came across me. I just, it kind of stuck with me and it made me think about it. It came in a couple days ago. It's from Colton. And he says, I seen a pic of you on your Instagram and you have a poster of Mad Max Fury Road in the background. You actually like that pro-feminist shit well fuck you colton for your statement and i really want to know i genuinely want to know what makes mad max fury road a pro-feminist movie this argument or this statement has been going around since the movie came out and i don't get it i don't see what you guys are seeing all I see is a badass action movie, a really long car chase movie, a really dope action movie. So what the fuck are you guys seeing that I'm not? I remember when this movie first came out and there was just this whole big movement about this movie being pro-feminist and Tom Hardy was barely in the movie and it's called Mad Max. Why was it about Charlize Theron? And who cares? Who cares really? The movie came out awesome. The movie is fucking great. And you guys, what is it because like Charlie Sterren was a badass in the movie? Is that it? Is that really all there is? I've tried to have this conversation online. I genuinely want to understand 
what they are seeing, but nobody seems to want to talk to me about it. Everybody thinks I'm trying to fuck with them or badger them or speak down to them, and I'm not. I really want to know what you guys are seeing. You guys just avoiding the debate or the discussion is just leading me to believe that you just feel inadequate within yourself as a man. And if it's like that, don't blame the fucking movie, dude. Go fucking drink a soda and or beer or whatever fucking macho guys do and buy like a big fucking car and smoke a cigar or some shit. I don't fucking know. Whatever super macho guys do to make themselves feel super macho, then go and fucking do that. Just don't attack a movie for being pro-feminist if you have no actual viewpoint on why or any legitimate reason on why the fucking movie is a particular way all right colton i hope that answered your fucking statement and all right let's wrap this shit up i would like to thank all of you for tuning in this week i would like to thank anastasia and colton for writing in I would like to thank everybody who has been spreading the word of the crash box. When you guys share the show, when you guys tell somebody, you're helping the show grow and validating me to continue doing what I'm doing. So thank you guys so much. And now, being that you're at the end of the show, if you haven't already, please head over to iTunes and leave the show a five-star review. If you guys want to leave a suggestion, comment, a question, hit me up at thecrashbox at gmail.com or any social media site. I'm mostly on Instagram, but I check my Facebook, my Twitter, my Snapchat, everything, all at the Crashbox. All right, guys, girls, and all you awesome bastards in between, remember, don't get bogged down by bullshit. Life is better in the abstract. I'm up out of here. Peace. One love. L-A-T-A. Chukabwa!